Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 98, Pitch Your Tent. So my family and I have recently completed two full weeks of social distancing. And it was harder. It was a harder week emotionally and mentally for us. The children had their first full week of remote learning and it was full sprint. And I'm so grateful for good hearts that go into the field of education. I know that the teachers, especially the ones in the elementary school, I know that they care about my children, about your children that they teach. And I appreciate the efforts that they've made in such a short time to create learning tools for my children to be done online that are engaging and creative. So my fifth grade son's class or his teacher has them doing what's called quick writes and he has to do them every day. And a quick write is an open-ended question that asks the child to give a personal opinion. It's supposed to be written between 5 and 10 minutes. They're asked basically to free write. To free write whatever comes to their mind about the question. And they don't need to worry about grammar. They just need to write. It's a practice of learning how to reflect and then get those reflections or those thoughts down on paper. And on Thursday, the question was, what are three things you will never take for granted again because of the quarantine? And my cute son wrote, being able to go to grandma's house, playing with friends, and giving hugs. Like I told you last week, my mother-in-law just came back from serving her mission in Hawaii. And it was awesome. She stopped by our house last week. But she stood out on the grass while we were at the door, so we did our social distancing. And I love that my son won't take for granted again going to grandma's house to visit her. And I'm glad that he had a desire to give grandma and grandpa a hug to welcome them home. So anyways, it melted my heart. (laughs) And I began to reflect, what would my three things be? And I immediately thought of the temple. The temples are temporarily closed right now. And I understand the whys. And and I don't find fault with that decision that was made. But when you stop and you think about the significance of what that means, it's sobering. Temporarily, God's children aren't receiving additional light and learning in the houses of the Lord. Covenants or holy promises with God are not right now being made there. God's sons and daughters, they're not receiving his gift of endowment and the creation of eternal families is temporarily on hold, both for the living and for the dead. All of a sudden, the place of strength, learning, and peace is just not available to us right now. For a time, we are without escape from this make-believe world that we find ourselves in. It makes it that much more important That our homes become a place of reflection, of learning, of personal revelation. A place where covenants are kept and eternal families are strengthened. This is a strange time for all of us. Frankly, I haven't met anyone 
who isn't trying to see the good and the potential that can come from this crisis. But I know that despite our efforts at optimism, I know that there are those out there that this is still devastating for. I think you can have disappointments and dashed expectations and feel this is hard, but yet also be looking for the blessings to come from this. Because there are challenges, the loss of income, the added burden of having your children home constantly with their need to learn, to move around, to make messes, to eat. (laughs) The lack of control that you're feeling, the fear of your health or your spouse's health, the fear you have for your elderly parents and their needs. The little that I do go out, basically going to the grocery store, it's surreal And I feel this emotion rise up in my chest as I witness all of the precautions that are being taken for everyone's well-being, for the customer and for the employee. And the question that I'm sure is on your mind, like it is on mine, is how can I help my family both with me in my home and those that are out of reach, including my ministering sisters, my neighbors, my young women, How can I help them thrive despite their hardships? That is what I have seen that has been the most incredible. The increase of people looking outside themselves and looking out for what their neighbors need, even if it's just to make them smile. The Lord, I'm sure, is pleased with his children. He's pleased to see his children, those who have taken upon them his name. I'm sure he's pleased to see them being his hands and loving others with the Christ-like hearts that they possess. Remember last week, we spoke about the fact that if you think you have it bad, we just need to look at the Book of Mormon to be reminded that God's children have always had mountains to climb and to overcome. And when they were righteous and they were obedient to his commandments through his matchless and marvelous power, he delivered them out of the hands of their enemies. He didn't spare them from difficulty. They still had to prepare for war. They still had to go to war. He didn't spare them from having to do hard things or even suffering, but eventually he always did deliver them. Gratefully, The writers of the Book of Mormon could see his hand that was extended out to his people and they captured it and they wrote it down. Do we, are we, are we seeing his hand right now extended out to us during this time of challenge, this time of sacrifice, and even perhaps scarcity? Can we, despite our fears, see his abundance? You might ask, what is to be done? And what is expected of us? And my answer for you this week is pitch your tent around the temple. Our prophet asked us yesterday to fast for spiritual, physical, and economic healing. A worldwide fast to be healed. Did you do it? If so, you pitched your tent. Do you want to know how to help your children during these days of ever-changing and ever-increasing restrictions? Pitch your tent around the temple with your door facing it, ready to hear, ready to receive the healing word of God. 
That is what the Nephites of Zarahemla did. King Benjamin instructed his son Mosiah to gather the people. And some cool facts that I didn't know until I looked it up in the Institute Manual is that here, starting in Mosiah chapter 1, with the transferring of power from one king to another, are some traditions and customs that had their origins traced back all the way to ancient Israel. For example, when King Benjamin tells his son Mosiah to gather the people so that he can tell them with his own mouth that Mosiah will be the king and the ruler over the people, he says that Mosiah is whom the Lord our God hath chosen. That's important. This shows a belief stemming from ancient Israel that kings were chosen by heaven. I also have always thought it was curious that King Benjamin was assigning his son Mosiah to gather the people, to take a proclamation throughout all the land. But according to ancient Israel tradition, that wasn't odd at all. It was ideal, in fact, to transfer the power of one king to another before the reigning king died. And the ceremony that would take place would involve the people giving them an opportunity to make or renew their covenants with God. And for those of you who are familiar with what's going to happen, that's exactly what King Benjamin will have the people do. During this coronation process, usually sacred relics or artifacts or other objects would be passed down to the new king. This may look like a crown or a scepter, but in Mosiah chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, it was the plates of brass, the plates of Nephi, the sword of Laban, and the Liahona. In fact, in verse 16, it takes time to describe the Liahona as the ball or director, which led our fathers through the wilderness, which was prepared by the hand of the Lord, that thereby they might be led, everyone according to the heed and diligence which they gave unto him. What a significant relic for a righteous king to possess. What a great reminder who to give heed and diligence to. So later on in chapter 6 of Mosiah, Mosiah will be anointed, consecrated for his, his new role as the leader of the Nephites, giving him charge concerning the kingdom. And all of this is done with priests appointed to teach the people that thereby they might hear and know the commandments of God and to stir them up in remembrance of the oath which they will make. Finally, these ceremonies were done at a consecrated place, such as a temple, where the people were asked by Benjamin to gather. And the people gathered to the temple. They took time from their schedules and from their duties, and they paused for a moment. They came every man according to his family, consisting of his wife and his sons and his daughters, and their sons and their daughters, from the eldest down to the youngest, every man being separate one from another. There were so many of them, they didn't even number them. And they all came so that they might go to the temple to hear the words which King Benjamin should speak unto them. This is a beautiful image of families banding together to do what's most important, to hear the holy word of God and to make and renew their covenants with him. Each family came separately 
I think we can relate to this idea more particularly now than we could have even maybe perhaps two weeks ago. This world pause is an opportunity for you to come to conference this coming Saturday and Sunday to come with your spouse, your daughters, your sons, and their daughters and their sons, and to come and hear the word of God, renewing yourselves to keep your covenants that you have made or that you are preparing to make. Find your spot and pitch your tent. Use this time that you have to intentionally prepare. And how can you? The prophet gave us reading to do, didn't he? Along with some questions to ponder. Of course, that's where we should start. And after you've done that, I encourage you to look at the example of the Nephites on what they did to prepare to hear their prophet king. And they also took of the firstlings of their flock that they might offer sacrifice and burnt offerings according to the law of Moses, and also that they might give thanks to the Lord their God. We know that now that Christ has come, that our sacrifice and our burnt offerings can be and should be our repentant hearts, soft hearts, ears that hear, eyes that see, and our preparation to receive and to feel the Spirit. The Nephites also gave thanks. Going all the way back, over 400 years earlier, they expressed thanks that the Lord their God had brought their fathers out of the land of Jerusalem, that they had been delivered out of the hands of their enemies, that the Lord had appointed just men to be their teachers, and also a just man to be their king, that he had been permitted to establish peace in the land of Zarahemla, and he had taught them to keep the commandments of God so that they could rejoice and be filled with love towards God and all men. We didn't know back in October when our prophet asked us to prepare for April's conference that we would be experiencing a worldwide pandemic. We didn't know how drastically our lives would be altered. We didn't know that we would be forced to undergo a simplifying of our lives with kids' sports teams postponed, extracurricular activities put on pause, or loud, bedazzling entertainment shows to attend. We didn't know that our schools would be shut down or businesses would close. We didn't know hospitals would turn away visitors or grocery stores would be cleared of flour off their shelves. We didn't know that missionaries from around the world would be sent home and that the doors to the temple would be temporarily closed. We didn't know that the things of this world would quiet down for a while. But the God who directs his church, he did. And he whispered in the prophet's ear, just like he has always done with his prophets. And he asked his children to prepare. So I ask you this week to add to your preparation by giving thanks. Give thanks for him leading your soul through your personal wildernesses, from leading you away from destruction and to eternal life. Find reason to thank him for your deliverance from your enemies, your deliverance from the enemy of affliction, 
of heartache, the enemy of pain and depression, you are still here. Your heart is still beating. You have survived to give it another day. He has delivered you. Give thanks for the just men that God has appointed to be your teachers at this time. Your ministers, your bishops, your stake presidents, anyone who is trying their best to lift you, to lift your burden by teaching you the good word of God. Especially give thanks for our sweet Christ-like prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, who is desperately trying to establish peace in the land. He is urging us to have peace in our hearts and to learn how to receive personal revelation. He is equipping us to use our priesthood power to teach our families the gospel of Jesus Christ in our very homes. And he's teaching us how to minister as he tirelessly ministers to us. He teaches us to keep the commandments, even the first great commandment, to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. All of this he does so that we might rejoice and be filled with love towards God and all men. And you've had an opportunity to feel that these past few weeks. Have you noticed? Have your thoughts turned to God more often? Have you noticed others making time for him, speaking of him more, praying to him more, including him more? Give gratitude for the increase of love that you are experiencing in your home. I know that agitation may have also increased Close proximity tends to bring agitation out in us humans. But look for the miracles. Look for the signs of mending relationships. Look for the blessing of increased time as a family. With the elimination of the outside world, what is that doing to you? Do you see little miracles starting to spark? See this as a time to gather your teenagers close, to give your extended family a call. They're home. (laughs) They might even be feeling a little bored. Reach out. Connect. They want you to. Give thanks for the less rushed family dinners that you're having. The movies that you're enjoying together. The walks that you're going on. The board games that you're playing. Treasure the Zoom calls that you're having. The more sincere and genuine phone calls you've engaged in. The notes you've received and the opportunity that you have to be your child's teacher. Make a list of these blessings that you are receiving, despite the difficulties that may come with them. There are rays of sunshine to be grateful for. Make this list and bring it with you as you pitch your tent and prepare for conference. The Lord has asked us through his prophet to hear him. And I believe people are doing that. There appears to be a genuine desire within most of God's children's hearts to give relief to others during this time of crisis, whether it's musicians singing from their homes and giving it to the world, late night hosts highlighting various charities in need, Mothers uniting together to share their ideas to keep hearts light in their homes. 
ministers randomly reaching out through text messages to express their love. Neighbors watching out for neighbors and doing their grocery shopping. Or people sharing their favorite memes to enjoy some laughter with one another. Whenever you are trying to look to connect with others in an uplifting way, you are practicing the charge to hear him because that is what he would have you do. We are pitching our tents with our door facing the temple, the epitome of joy and the symbol of God's love for us here on earth. Take time and prepare now to pitch your tent. April Conference is here. Sister Scriptorians, before I close today, I'd like to invite you to another Zoom call this Thursday, April 2nd at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you haven't used Zoom before, no fear. It's as easy as going to zoom.us and entering the meeting login and password info. If you aren't keen on being on video, that's cool. No worries. There's an icon where you can turn off your camera. It is so slick. Last week, we discussed that our power is found in our sphere of influence, that our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and to a certain extent, Our results is what we have control over. And when we start getting into other people's business or into God's business, that's when we start feeling kind of scrappy and fearful. We learned a simple technique of how to clear our minds of defeating thoughts that block our ability to be able to hear the Spirit. And I encourage you this week to be observant of these thoughts that you're having. This Thursday, we're going to focus and discuss how we can choose thoughts that serve us better, that help propel our agency in a more positive direction. These calls are arranged to be light on teaching basic tools and then heavily focused on giving my coaching services to you. And I invite you all to attend. In order to receive the correct password for Zoom, you must go to sisterscriptorians.com and sign up to be a Sister Scriptorian. This is a membership without charge. Each week, you will receive in your email the ponder prompt that goes along with this week's podcast episode. And Thursday, about an hour before the Zoom call, you'll receive the password in order to be able to attend. You'll also become a part of a community that will periodically have the opportunity to band together like we will on Thursday as we learn, liken, and lift each other one gospel principle at a time. I love you. I pray for you. I think about your needs continually through the week. I know that we are led by a prophet of God. And this week, write down a huge list of all the tender mercies, blessings, the miracles that you are witnessing and bring it to conference. See the Lord's arm stretched out towards you. He is there. Can you hear him? Make today a great day.